Everybody, this is episode 64 of the Cooldown Time podcast. I'm your graphically impressive host of the show, Marco, and I'm being joined as always by my co op co host, Pablo, to talk about gaming's best and bootiest. Pablo, what's going on with you, man? Yeah, man, not much. Uh, I'm ready to talk about games this week, uh, but I'm constantly checking my Twitter feed uh, just in case any far right. A uh, French politician decides to uh, blame me for an assassination of a former prime uh, <laughs> minister. You know, Man, that normal story stuff is, that you do on Twitter. That story was why I cannot believe Kojima was like basically, <laughs> basically uh, targeted yeah. for assassination. <laughs> this is crazy. I can't even get it out. That's wild to me. I, I told Pablo offline like the only thing that man's guilty of is making bad video games, in my opinion. But you know. I, <laughs> I want to know what that story is because I I bet you it it had to be some kind of miscommunication with who the person was and his That's him always crazy. trending on Twitter. They literally it wasn't like one picture; it was like three different <laughs> pictures made him look crazy, like next to a Che Guevara sign and, <laughs> and oh then wearing like a God. hoodie, looking all uh, suspicious, like "Ooh, I'm hiding! Yeah. I'm an assassin." He had an accomplice called Solid Snake that helped him out. Like, <laughs> guys, for my brother, uh, my brother hit me up. He's like, "Is this some kind of weird marketing for his new game?" I'm confused <laughs> as to what's happening. I'm like, "No, this actually happened." He's like, "What Bro, the hell?" That's a shame that that question is somewhat legitimate to ask, though. Like, it's a yeah. it's a fair question with this guy. This guy's wild, so uh, I'll yeah. believe anything at this point. But yeah, pretty much, yeah. We're not going to be talking about that, but we will be covering our first impressions of Overwatch Two. God of War Ragnarok's official release date. Five games we were excited about that let us down over the course of time that we've been gamers, and much, much more. But Pablo, before we get into the episode, we have a little bit of housekeeping to do. Um, so look, here's the deal. I think, um, you know, not too long ago, me and Pablo decided we wanted to um, do two episodes a week. We thought that'd be a great idea to kind of, um, you know, stay in your FOV as our slogan uh, states, uh, for um, more of your week as, as possible. Um, I think the problem is, is that a lot of you guys had, uh, you know, had a hard time keeping up with the two episodes a week thing from what we saw. And so we want to make it easier for you guys to, um, you know, get through our episodes and, and just keep it simple for you. So we decided to go ahead and go back to just having um, Monday only releases for now. Not saying that down the road that might, you know, it might not change again. It might. We'll see how it goes in the future. But for right now, uh, we don't want to overwhelm y'all with episodes and, and then create a backlog of of uh, Pablo and Marco talking about video games to stress you yeah. out. So. And, and we're not averse <laughs> either to, to drop in a surprise uh, episode through the week if something right. really comes up that we have to really talk about. Uh, one of the examples I told Marco is like, I think God of War Ragnarok comes out the 9th. Uh, which is like a Wednesday, so maybe we'll have something that weekend to talk exactly. about before we bring it up on Monday, just like to kind of just be specific and be in the conversation and then and in the moment. But yeah, but it it just it oh it just became um too much for them, and honestly a little too much uh too much for us trying to keep yeah. that up. Uh, yeah. So 
Yeah. So yeah. like Pablo said, it's it's not a hard rule. You know, we'll just kind of take it as it comes. And if anything big happens, we're obviously not going to make y'all wait too long if we have to cover something. If it's like a crazy acquisition or something like that, we'll get yeah. to it. Don't worry about it. Which but, we've uh, done in the past. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, but you know, that's kind of what's going on for now. So just uh, keep an eye out for us on uh, Mondays from now on. Uh, to that point, if you like us and want to keep in touch with the podcast and subscribe to us, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other popular streaming apps. We're there where you need us and when you need us, so there shouldn't be no problems. And we're not overwhelming you with too many podcasts a week now, so shut <laughs> it up. Just shut right. it up. Stop complaining. Um, shut it. Exactly. And you could also uh, shut up and follow us on Instagram at Podcast. If you want to stay connected with us in between episodes. But other than that, yeah, shout out to our new and returning listeners for checking out this week's show. We hope you enjoy it. And uh, speaking of which, let's go ahead and kick things off with loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, so we're playing some games, but forget all that. Overwatch 2. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think it's much of a surprise that uh, me and Pablo are pretty big Overwatch fans. We talked about it in... Uh, you know, a good amount of episodes throughout the history of the show. And uh, when the beta of Overwatch 2 rolled around, um, I was peer pressured into playing it by Pablo because <laughs> I he doesn't send you the code. Play this. Pablo, Pablo does not understand the concept of I'm just going to wait because because that is not in Pablo's gaming DNA at all. It is not in my life when DNA. You, Fuck that. <laughs> yo. So out of nowhere, I got a beta code and. You know, it's it's right there. I'm not going to turn it away. So I'm like, all right, fine, I'll do it. And uh, so me and Pablo have been putting in a little bit of time playing the beta. Um, and uh, we have thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, Pablo, I think there's a lot of ways we can sort of unpack this. But I guess um, I'm going to leave this a bit open-ended and, and sort of get your high-level thoughts. And then we can kind of get more granular as we go if we need to. But, but what's your overall take about this beta and what it's indicating to you about uh, the the final release later this mm -hmm. year. Yeah, I've gone back and forth with kind of my overall opinion. I think uh, on the onset, um, Overwatch Two, I was I really enjoyed it, um, and then I went through a period there where I played a little bit of Overwatch One as one. I'm like, maybe I don't like it as much, but I think I've come around to just uh, embracing Overwatch Two for what it is, and I, I I think that the core of the game is still there, and so. It, that's why it's still fun to play. Um, but I would say, and, I, and I've seen a lot of YouTube videos, that they say it's just more Overwatch. And, I, and a little pushback on that. There is differences enough to where I, I people can love Overwatch 1 and dislike Overwatch 2 for those differences. I, I think pacing is one of them. Um, I don't know how much you want to get into that right now. I just want kind of my thoughts. Uh, you know, just go high level. We'll, talk, we'll definitely talk about pacing, though. I got a lot to say about that. Yeah, I, I think... We'll talk about that. And I think that the the character reworks for my mains, they worked out really nicely. I think they work out really beautifully with the actual pacing of the game. And it really kind of makes the the people that I play, which is Cassidy, Diva, I think it makes them fun to play in this iteration of Overwatch too. Um I, I don't know. I I couldn't tell you about the other characters if it really if their play style works out here. I know there's gonna be other re reworks on other characters that are come down the down the line. Um yeah, I, I think the uh I think the the hot button issue here is the two in Overwatch too. Uh is it really a sequel? And you know, it depends on what you think about the meta of a game and how much that really has to change. But overall I, I would say I, I really like where Overwatch 2 is at its beta form. 
Um, I am a, s- disappointed with the news that Overwatch One will eventually go away. Um, I do think that I do think that they're different enough to where the two can exist. But I understand for the sake of supporting the game and and having people work on the game, why one has to go. And I'm sh- and I'm sure that they'll bring over a um the that version of that game into Overwatch Two. Uh, and they're already doing little things with like the 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 team up mode where you can actually still team up with six people and have people tag in and out. Uh, depending on each round, which is super dope. It's not implemented in the beta, but it's something that's coming to the game itself. Um, as for as for everything else, uh, like Marco said, I think we'll get into into that in, in more detail. So Marco, what what do you think uh, about Overwatch Two uh, beta? Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's been a really perplexing experience for me um just overall i have really been thinking about this beta for a while um right after first playing it i i I haven't really stopped thinking about it too much because i i i can't really tell if i can't really tell how i feel about it in, in some ways i guess i guess my my biggest issues which we'll get into in more specifics later on are really that I think overall, I don't know if there's anything that I think Overwatch 2 does that is head and shoulders better than the first game. Um, I think this game is kind of a culmination of a series of little tweaks that kind of form a cumulative change in in the meta and vibe of the game. But there's, there's nothing that you can really isolate, in my opinion, and say, okay, that is definitively different, except for maybe one thing, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, I, I, I hate to be part of that of that argument that that doesn't understand the sequel aspect of this game, but I am a bit on on that side of the fence right now in terms of kind of struggling with understanding what really sets this apart as a two uh, in in the series. Um, and I, again, this is all caveat with the fact that it's a beta and we're missing you know the final tweaks we're missing uh pve we're missing a, we're missing a lot of pieces to Which the is puzzle like a here big, supposed to be a big part of, the, of what two is yeah exactly so i'm sure by the time all of those components come together it'll probably feel more like a sequel then than it maybe does right now um but i can only base my experience off of what i have available to me and in that sense i i can't really say that i have felt that I, what enjoyment I've gotten out of Overwatch Two is not necessarily because it's Overwatch Two. It seems like it's just because it is the same Overwatch formula at its core that I still enjoy on a fundamental level, um, and that's not a good thing or a bad thing. But it right. does kind of leave me in that middle of nowhere space with this game, right? I just I like it, but I don't love it. And I guess I was expecting to feel a little bit more of an attachment to it because it's the big Overwatch 2 thing that I've been waiting for for so long. Yeah, I think a lot of that also has to do with how Overwatch was a big surprise for us and how it kind of came out of nowhere. And in a world of hero shooters that really didn't didn't exist outside of Fortress 2, Team Fortress 2, I think that this kind of caught us off guard that, oh, we actually kind of like these kind of games. So our expectations is for to feel the same way. And I think that's going to be an uphill battle to, to reach that apex of like that of that feeling for us because we know what to expect or you know we're not the best at the game but we're, we're we're veterans in terms of understanding how to play overwatch and so when it comes to that there's a lot of the game that feels a lot 
like the regular watch. I think I would kind of compare this to, and you're the expert on this, so you can tell me whether or not this is accurate. It's Splatoon to Splatoon 2, where Splatoon 2, the multiplayer aspect of it, was fairly the same. It was that single-player aspect uh, that they had that really kind of set it apart and made that 2 the actual 2. And there were some actual visual upgrades as well. But um, So I... I, I I also think that the two has a lot to do with marketing, uh, kind of separating itself from the conversation of what Overwatch has been in within the community itself, and it, if them being feeling abandoned, the new regime coming in and taking over Overwatch. Even though this the two was always a part of the overall uh, marketing of the game, I feel like they're leaning into that a little bit more because it's a whole brand new. Mm. you know crew in there so i think there's a lot of that uh on there um what do you want to talk about in terms of specifics i do want to start with with the pacing of the game first mm -hmm. if that's cool uh because i think that is probably the biggest and maybe most jarring difference of the game and i think a lot of other stuff is sort of a break even in my opinion um i think the most noticeable thing that hit me like a bat to the face was this game is very different from Overwatch 1 in terms of pace and flow of the matches. Um, I What I loved about Overwatch 1 was there was a feeling of breathability in every match. Yeah. There was there was waves of action. And then there was, there was those pockets of time in between those waves where you can uh, be tactical, strategize, coordinate, plan, prepare, whatever. Um and I'm not saying that there was a bunch of time to do that, but there was enough time to kind of stop and, and gather yourself, see what your team is up to, who's got ults that are ready, blah, blah, blah. In Overwatch 2, I, I feel like it's a very crude and, and more frenetic and visceral version of that. Um, and there are a lot less of those windows of breathable time to be tactful and strategic. Um, and I think that now I'm not saying that it turned into Call of Duty. It's nothing yeah, no, like that. Not at all. Yeah. But by Overwatch standards, I have really come to dislike the fact that the pace is so unrelenting. Um, yeah. There is almost always a skirmish happening, and that is just something I'm just plain and simple not used to in um, playing Overwatch over the years. And it as a healer main specifically uh, Mercy. Uh, if, if you want to know how I get down, I, <laughs> I have struggled. It is such an exhausting experience to play a healer in this game, because even when you're doing your part, the, the chaos of the, the fights are so relentless that even if you're healing exactly the way you're supposed to, and you're, you're monitoring everybody on the team perfectly, sometimes you, you just can't keep up with the chaos. And people drop regardless of how well you're doing. I mean, I I, I can get up to 20,000, 24,000 points of healing in a match. So I'm, I'm no slouch at, at being a healer. It's just that there is a, a persistent level of action in this game that I think a lot of people are going to love. I think mainstream-wise, especially going free-to-play, I get the reason behind that decision. You don't, you don't want to have a boring wave driven yeah. you know free to play game because people will bounce off that but i think as an overwatch purist air quotes um i have found that pace change to be very jarring you couple that with a lot of the map related changes that i think influence the pace a lot too because they're a little bit more condensed um not as open 
And I think you have a lot more uh, choke points and kill box sort of zones where... Especially the new maps, yeah. Yeah, the new maps especially, uh, that I feel just kind of make the game a bit of a cluster sometimes. And it loses the nuance and subtleties that I think make the original game so um, yeah. so dynamic from, from match to match. In other words, I think the pace is so chaotic that that, that dynamic feel of having a unique match every game is kind of lost after a while. And it just sort of becomes yeah. a, a kill-a-thon. And I don't know yeah, if I it, like that. Yeah, it does tend to feel like that sometimes. And even with certain uh, changes that they've made, especially to damage heroes where, uh, you know, yep. in the pa- damage heroes are very varied in how they play you know you have the new uh sojourn who's very fast and agile and then you have someone like uh cassidy who's slow and methodical in terms of his speed and and just six bullets very accurate type of player uh and so what they've done is if you switch at any point between any hero in that's a damage hero you still maintain 30 percent of your ultimate percentage even though you're changing uh your player that just goes to show how much they want the pace of that game to stay frenetic and stay, as, as you put it, like a kill box kind of thing because the damage heroes themselves are getting a lot of boosts that gives them the ability to, to, to display their uh, ultimate a lot quicker. With that said, I... I am in. I am. I'm not in the opposite camp of you, but I do tend to like the frenetic pace a little bit more. It's faster, it's more chaotic even. Um, the 5v5 kind of adds to that faster-paced chaotic nature. The, the momentums of the of the match shift very often. And I do like that because, you know, there, there's a, you can be losing, someone can be uh, pushing the payload at, at 80% finish, you know, and then, or that robot one where you can go back and forth and you can turn mm-hmm. it around really quickly uh, because of how fast the game is. However, I will say that if you face a more coordinated team and because of the kill box situation and the choke, you'll get wiped out. It's miserable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pretty yeah. immediately. It, it Playing this by myself and playing this with Marco, just being the one other person, is for me a night and day change from the actual fun I'm having. Even though I still have fun playing by myself, which I have been since Marco has been fucking not playing, um, <laughs> I, I just have a much better time with Marco. Part of that because of his his mercy and his healing is really helping me. But also, there's a coordination that we have when we play in the game that really we're talking, we're actually getting to to, to those points and actually succeeding in that way. And we don't get that when you're playing solo. And if the other team is coordinated even slightly, I mean, you can always tell. It's just me and Marco coordinating, playing a team that's not talking at all. We're usually wiping the floor with them. That's how yep. much it takes because of how quick it is. Um, how about, um, have you noticed anything in terms of a difference with your character in terms of reworks? Is that anything that has changed with Mercy that is for better or worse for you? Um, it's it's sort of a break even, and that's kind of, you know, where the rest of my feedback kind of goes in general about the rest of the game. Um, there are some tweaks to um, her, her dashing move. I, I don't remember the name of it. It's just kind of a dash to kind of get closer yeah. to somebody you want to heal or, or, or boost. Um, but there's now this like bunny hop kind of thing that happens automatically after doing that, which in some scenarios can be extremely helpful because it gets you airborne and gets you away from the line of fire of a lot of people. But depending on where you're located in the map, it could also be a detriment because then you're just literally clanging your head against the wall or a ceiling or something and going, Oh my God, I can't even see where I am now. And so you lose all position of where anybody's at and you just end up getting mopped up. But, um, to me, it's been kind of a break even. I, I, I haven't really seen out of the, the heroes that I've played at least, um, anything that 
to me was definitively radical in terms of changes. It was just, again, more of that fine tuning stuff that I think only time will tell how great yeah. of, of those tweaks actually are with the bottom yeah. line. I mean, I know they're already making edits to a lot of those oh, things of now. So uh, we have a lot more of that to look forward to. But I don't I don't think anything has really struck me as, as being terrible or awesome in, in either way, just off of who I played, though. So I can't say definitively across the board that I, I hate it all or I love it all. So uh, how about you? Yeah, yeah I, I think um, it... it Cassidy players, uh, a lot of them uh, were very much into this pacing of throwing the concussion grenade, stunning a player, and then doing the LT, which is the fanning uh, thing where he fan- he empties out his entire clip on somebody. Yeah. And that was insta-kill if you got that right on. that You can't do that anymore because um, that, mm-hmm. that in the game, in, in Overwatch 2, a lot of the people who had moves that stop people dead in their tracks no longer have that move and so players are constantly moving so now he has a magnetic uh, grenade that you throw attaches people does some dps on uh some damage so th- it, he becomes more of a traditional kind of shooter type of character but it works for overwatch one i went back to overwatch two um and i'm um, watch one and you know I, there's a difference there in, in that but I, I do like it i think it's interesting i think it makes uh cassidy fun to play again mm-hmm. uh diva has some tweaks is more technical the amount of times that her uh, shield is up or down some uh her rockets have lost uh power but her main guns have gained power she has mm-hmm. a little more health all that stuff uh, you know not to bore you too much with the nitty-gritty of that stuff that stuff really is tweaked to perfection and that's what i'm looking forward to when it comes to new characters i'm playing junker queen as well i was just I gonna ask you about your thoughts yeah. about the new characters yeah i love her i think she's incredible but because she is a slightly overpowered there there you can tell the dynamic of of a new character made specifically for overwatch 2 what they're really going for and how other players are being kind of molded back uh, molded into overwatch 2 so sojourn and 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 junker queen are very fast regardless one is a once a um, a tank and one is a a, a, a damage uh, hero but they both are quick uh, they both uh, they they both really have just uh, the it's all about damage in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Uh, but she's great. I love her. She has this uh, blade that when you throw at people, you know, if it attaches, it gains more uh damage. Uh, she has a healing thing that's also uh, like a like um like a boost speed boosting. That what's that dude? The Brazilian character that kind of oh, skates um, around. Oh jeez. Starts with Luke, Luca, something. Luke, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it. Uh, wow, I don't know why I'm Lucas blanking out or something. right now. Man, we're sorry, guys. Yeah, we love <laughs> Overwatch. We're huge fans. Luke Harry, yeah. Uh, so, um, kind of like that. But yeah, I, I love her. I, I, I think she's really fun to play uh, as. Um, but overall, I, I guess I am a little bit more towards the loving Overwatch too. But at the same time, understanding that. Um, it's just it, it, there is a lot more to uh, to it, but uh, I'm sorry. I just realized that I I called that guy. You said a Pokemon, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely po- yeah, that yeah. was that was not a joke. That was accidental. It's actually Lucio. <laughs> yeah, Lucio. You said Lucario. I was like, I'm wow. not gonna this man. Okay, you know, yeah, Pikachu. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think um, Overwatch is getting me back to the series in a way that I hadn't been in a while. Whether or not that's going mm. to um, stay is going to have its staying power. I am really excited for for the official release of the game itself just to see how that goes and how time passes and how the game is supported so yeah. I, I think that the beta has made me really excited for the official release of the game though 
I will have to admit, ultimately, my feelings about it aren't. I, I'm not in a place where I thought I would be after everything that I saw with Overwatch 2. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, final impressions of the beta. Um, to me, I think just in general, I think there's a way to make what's old feel new again when it comes to a sequel of a major multiplayer game like this. I just don't think that they have quite found what that is yet. I think they have a good gameplay foundation, albeit very familiar. And I think they have um, a suite of, of tweaks and, and you know changes and refinements that I think for the masses work out really well. For some purists, maybe a little bit tricky. I just think that what's missing here, and, and I, I hate to get this ethereal, but it's missing some kind of spark. The I, I, a little bit of that. Yeah. I don't know what, and, and I and I wish I can sit here and tell you what I think that should be or is or isn't. I really can't, and I know that sounds really douchey. It's just that there is there is something that feels very muted about this game, um, very kind of rudimentary and meandering that I'm a bit disappointed by. Um, I guess I was expecting more of something that feels punchy and feels... Um, like it's more of a refined experience. And, and this yep. is part of the reason why I hate playing betas, because I don't want to start talking like that about a game that's technically not done and not feature complete. Um, I, but, I don't think there's going to be much different. But with I was just going to say, I, I, yeah. I think this is a pretty solid indication of what the, the opening months or maybe even the first yeah, year of sure. Overwatch 2 is going to be. And I think if that's the case, then I think that there is a bit of a, of a letdown here. It's not massive. It's not catastrophic. I don't wish this game never existed, but I just feel like this game is missing some things that could have really pushed it to um, a next level that um, makes it a clear jump in quality overall yeah. to Overwatch 1. And I don't feel like it has that jump in it right now. Are you uh, excited for the official release in September? Um, yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be there. I'm going to I'm going to be into it and I I think I'm ready to give I'll, I'll be ready to give that game that game more of my time and, and attention yeah, yeah. than this because yeah. I don't feel like there's a lot of things to really worry about right now while everything is still sort of in pencil. Um, but yeah, yeah I'll, like be a, I'll be there. I'll be there and I'll be in it. If, yeah. Yeah, I would feel like sinking time into the beta, any more time into the beta, or any significant time into the beta, just feel a little bit kind of. If we do get into it, it'll it's gone in a couple of days anyway, so it's yeah, just and, one of those. Yeah. And the other thing is, I don't I don't want to start comparing beta to final release. I want right. to still be able to compare Overwatch one to Overwatch two, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. without the beta mm-hmm. sort of tainting me in some kind of weird way. Um, For sure. But yeah, otherwise, um, we'll we'll be back to talk about it when the when the final release is out there. But yeah. um, we'll move on for you now. Know, Oh, I'm kind up? of I'm kind of feeling on feeling you on the waiting on betas uh, aspect of it because I played the Halo beta and I was super into Halo and then Halo uh, proper comes out and I just fell off of it whether it was fatigue whatever the case was yeah. it was pretty much the same thing but and now playing this I've I've been playing a lot uh, not as much as I would want to play but I'm kind of stopping myself from playing just because I don't want like you I don't want it to taint it too much. And also, I don't want to get too excited and be like, I'm so into this game now, and then go away, you know? But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. All right, man. Well, let's, let's go ahead and move on to uh, the, the other games that we have in our loadouts really quick. I'll just cover mine real fast. I finished uh, Neon White, uh, rolled credits on that uh, the other day, and uh, yeah, incredible game. Uh, I think 
at around three quarters of the way through the game, I think it does kind of get a little annoying and starts to yeah. lose some of the um, just the fun that's inertia, what, and it becomes a little too at. much, little too much of a thinking man's you know puzzle jumping puzzle game after a while, and it sort of loses some of that flow that I really loved about you know the game leading up to that. But then the end of the game really does come back in, in a good way and uh, brings a lot of that back. And the boss fights are really good. That might be in so uh, that might be in some. Uh, some uh, end of year conversations for sure. But uh, yeah. overall, I loved it. Uh, I think it's uh, definitely one of my favorite games of the year. And uh, I still highly recommend it for anybody who is uh, jonesing to play something on their Switch right now. Uh, that is certainly worth your time for sure. Yeah. So, um, what do you got? Yeah, I'm playing uh, AI Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative. Uh, I was playing the uh, Somnium Files that's on Game Pass, which is the first game, uh, you know, and I got kind of persuaded by just looking at, at the part two and the newness and it being the, this year's release. And I was like, okay, I'm playing new games. I want to, like, give this game an opportunity before the big JRPGs jump on and I can maybe possibly have this on my list. And I would say that um, I, I really like this game a lot. I mean... It's a lot of the conversation behind it is like, hey, it's kind of standalone. You don't really need anything from one. That's bullshit. You need at least, you need some cursory knowledge of the first game because if you don't, you'll be pretty lost. Uh, thankfully, I played enough of the first one that I was really uh, familiar with everything that was happening, characters and all that. So that really, it really worked for me. Um, it's wacky. It's insane. It's everything j about Japanese games that don't usually work in other games and really working really beautifully here. Um, this 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 team is really like they, they do a lot of different things. I think they do uh, the uh, Fire Pro Wrestling World. They they done the Dong and Rappen games, and this just feels like one of those uh, visual novels that it's like the the, the best visual novel I've probably have ever played. To be quite honest with you, and hey, I just I love right. yeah I yeah I love everything about this game so much. But the problem here, Marco, and I have to and I hate to 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 praise the game and then go into kind of like eh, some cons because I have a lot of things that I don't like about the game, and it has less to do with the structure of the video game and more about some other things. I will say the one thing that I don't like about the game that is kind of weird. it's the the uh, the logic behind mental locks don't make any sense. It's really trial and error, though they try to make it seem like, well, you have to pick these two things in order for this thing to work. But the things you have to pick, there's no context or no clues as to why you would have to pick that thing. So it's a little bit, the logic is everywhere. It's a little weird to begin with. And they, it does get better uh, as the game progresses. But those first mental locks and those first uh, somniums are really like, what the fuck? Like messianic warrior mixed with astronaut? Out of context, sure, but it does feel that crazy. Um <laughs> After but after all that, man, this game, the sex jokes and sexual references. Oh, it's all over the place. It's greasy. But this is it's particular. I played the I played like twenty, like fifteen hours of the first game, and it's and it's prevalent. But in this game, dude, it is it is bad. The horniness of this game. I know it's supposed to be the charm of it, and it is charming, and it is funny sometimes. But most most times, it's not. Uh, it's it's it's. Bro, they're t <laughs> look. Okay, look, what? some jokes aren't even like double entendres. They're like straight up talking oh, yeah. about fellatio yeah. or something of that sort. 100%. The act of rub. There's a, a thing you have to rub a statue's dick area in order to turn it on because it's a it's a uh, it's a computer. <clears throat> um, like after a particular <laughs> super dope scene that I saw, like the reenactment of a crime, then this this person talks about the man's penis that has no. 
use unless it's erect. Like, and it's like that's out of context, out of nowhere. That's exactly how the game feels. Uh, conversations that are like, oh, don't worry, I have other holes, and it's like wink, like. It's all the time in the in the first half of the game. It's constant. It and it's bad. It's not even even written well. It's like mm. really really bad. Um, and I and I keep asking myself why do I keep playing this game if everything is so cringe? It's because everything in between that shit is so fucking amazing. Um, so as the game gets deeper and deeper, that stuff starts taking a back seat and it becomes a little more self-serious, uh, especially when you're with the female characters, when you're, uh, when you're, uh, take control of them, it's less about that stuff. And I, and I will say the over-sexualization of females in Japanese games is a issue that's, that's been prevalent as long as video games has been a thing. I have to say, I do commend a little bit this game, it's portrayal of women because every single female in this game is smarter is more powerful in terms of position in, in like in the world, uh, uh, just like their general know-how. Men in this game are absolute morons. Women are like goddesses, which is great because it really works for the story in which the way the story is being told. But man, I know the first game had the sexual innuendo and all that stuff, but this this game is particularly heavy-handed in the first half. After you kind of get past the, the the middle part of the game, it like kind of. <clears throat> Sorry, it kind of buckles down and it's like, okay, and it's about the actual murders and all that stuff. But it is, it's, it was rough there for a while. It's like everything, everything, low hanging fruit joke. Maybe they like uh, it rough. <laughs> uh, hey, but every low hanging uh, fruit in terms of like sex joke, if they could make it, they made you know it. No one else and is low hanging, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly like that, you know, but, um, it's. A, I will not recommend this game to nobody. It is embarrassing. Uh, maybe Mark. I definitely. I definitely would recommend it to Mark on people who I know who like these kind of games. But to like a person who's like, hey, do you like uh, mystery crime uh, novels? You know, like point and click kind of games. Yeah, but I still wouldn't recommend this game to them because it is fucking wild, bro. With the horniness, <laughs> this game is so horny. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, man. that's it. I, I I love it. It's it's probably gonna make my top ten of the year. It is so fucking good, man. I know it's going to be my top 10 of the year. It's it's so good. So um, well, I'm looking forward is... to finishing that. Uh, I'm probably going to have to skip uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 mm. just to kind of get through. This game's like 30 hours. And I'm pretty I'm like halfway through it. But I, I really want to put some time into it. And I think I want to do Soul Hackers instead. So, But yeah, we'll see what well, happens there. I'm glad it's uh, got top 10 material uh, kind of written yeah. on it. It's, it does like to be on top. Let's go ahead and move hey, on to the second segment of, of the show. Of <laughs> and that is the news segment of the show that we call Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, so we got four news items we're going to run through in uh, this week's episode of the show. Let's start with uh, Hit Point news item number one. In a 30-second CG trailer, the release date for the highly anticipated God of War Ragnarok has finally been revealed as November 9th, 2022 which debunks long-running skepticism and concern that Santa Monica Studios' next title would slip to 2023. So, Pablo, now that we finally know when God of War Ragnarok will come out, how do we feel, and what do we want to learn about next? Yeah, I feel... Um, I, f- I, was, I saw some stuff about them really wanting to come out on June 30th, but with everything happening with like the Supreme Court ruling and all that stuff being in the news, I think they wanted to wait uh, a little bit. But um, 
I I think that them coming out and finally saying the game is coming out is 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 a big relief for everybody uh, involved. I think if this game would have been delayed past the year, it would have been a big we, nobody would shut the fuck up about it, kind of like they did with um with with Skyrim, not Skyrim, um the space game by Bethesda, Starfield, Starfield. That's right. <laughs> Woo, I love my brain. My brain is great. I have a great brain. Um, um, as for what I want to see, honestly. I kind of want to see a little bit of gameplay, not to judge its graphical fidelity or anything of that sort that's been going around, like the same animations, but I'm generally curious about how the game is going to show off Midgard and, and its surrounding areas and how uh, Atreus and, and, um, and Kratos are going to play in tandem. Um, I'm interested to see that. Maybe some new character design. I kind of want to see Thor in-game. Um, that's pretty much it. I, I have... No concerns about the game itself, uh, but I'm just curious to see exactly how they're going to go about it. Like, is this going to be more God of War 2018, or are they going to do something drastic to change the gameplay of it? So, I, I what do you, do you think, Marco, that they're going to go like Marcus Phoenix here with kind of a fake-out death of Kratos, or are they going to go full-on, spoilers here, The Last of Us 2, Joel killing him and then kind of changing the way you play that game completely uh for uh god of war what do you think on that on that front um i've gone back and forth on that a lot i think that it's gonna depend on really atreus uh to determine that because they santa monica and sony are really gonna have to to sweat that out um after this i I, i'm not sure it's gonna happen in this game but i do think there's gonna come a time when kratos is gonna be gone i think that's gonna happen eventually I think what they have to worry about is do people like Atreus enough to want to play just as him? Right. I would be a little, I'd be a little nervous about that. Uh, I I want to see what he's like in this game, but I, I, I'm very worried about playing as Atreus. I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of, of kid Atreus in the first, you know, in the reboot. Um, I'm hoping I feel different after this game. So it's going to depend on how they develop him as a character, because um, I don't want some angsty teenage, you know, dad just died and now I'm rebelling against everybody. You know, I, I, I do not want that kind of God of War. So yeah. I'm kind of hoping that they don't do anything drastic with Kratos until maybe the next game so that I really feel comfortable with them passing the torch to Atreus after yeah, he's been I mean- developed better. I mean, they've been on record, which I don't believe them, saying that this is going to be a two-part game. There's going to be more. Um, but well, I... Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but I wonder I wonder what they'll do in terms of, like, I just don't want greatest hits. Like, I don't want a, another version of the Stranger fight, which was great. Absolutely amazing. But I don't want them to hit those 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 marks again like oh that we had this moment let's let's kind of duplicate that in this moment it's going to be something similar like i don't want all those things though i i I do enjoy i do enjoy that for what it is i just think this game has really a hard uphill battle to uh uphill to decline because it just it's going to want if it's just like 2018 more of that there's going to be a little disappointment there just just you know in terms of like oh, it's more of the same i wonder how the story resonates there were so many twists and turns and and kind of like revealing who atreus actually is like what are they going to keep are they just going to do that and kind of feed you another fucking like big twist at the end like those kind of mm-hmm. gameplay mechanics uh, do worry me a little bit but mm-hmm. i don't think that they would do this game and just do something 
a carbon copy of that. I think there's going to be something more. Uh, I just wonder what that is, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah that, to that point, I think my big thing to learn next, I just want to know what the scope of the game is. I want to yeah. know if it's going to be the same kind of size and, and, and length to finish as the first game, or not the first game, but the, the last game, I should say. Uh, or, are they going, or are they going for something bigger? Is it going to be more yeah. robust, a little bit more open-ended? Like, what what are we looking at in terms of, like, what is, like, a five-hour window of this game look like? Um, yeah, yeah. What's the spread between main mission stuff, side mission stuff, what kind of side missions? Like, I just want to get, like a good understanding of that. And then I'm kind of all right on everything else as a wait and see thing, uh, especially narratively. Um, I wish they didn't do this as a CG trailer though. That was my only thing. I'm like, yeah, that was weird. I don't know if I needed to see CG at this point. Like you should have just showed some, you know, some kind of sizzle trailer of the actual gameplay. And I would have been a lot happier, but I don't think that's what mattered right now. I think the release date was just something they needed to get out of their hair so that their staff wasn't getting dick pics anymore. So, you know, more power yeah. to everybody involved that they were able to get this out and announced and now they can just focus and, on tightening up the game. And there's still some time to show. I think they might even have a state of play. I, I know that um, the first game they showed this like kind of trailer where it showed Atreus killing the deer mm-hmm. and then it pans out and there's like a dragon, which is the, the serpent snake, like flying in the air, like which isn't part of the game at all, but it kind of gave you a... In one shot, like these, all these things are going to be in the game, which is pretty cool. I hope they do something like that. Um, though I, I've seen people online saying they're going to MGS to us, uh, where it's going to be like <laughs> two hours of Kratos and all of a sudden a time jump or something. Yeah, it's a time jump, and you're playing an adult. Uh, you're playing an adult uh, Atreus, or you uh, might even be playing uh, as the other, uh, the other God of War from. Uh, uh, from the game uh, that they, the God of War that's specific to the Greek mythology, not oh. Greek mythology, to uh, Norse mythology uh, tier um, or something of that sort. And there's a lot of stuff going on with the Serpent, how it got punched through time. And there's a lot of time travel stuff that they've also talked about, not sent, uh, Sony Santa Monica, but people online thinking maybe they'll have that. I, yeah. I'm all for that if it's going to kind of enhance the game and the story of the game. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, for sure. I, have, I have a sneaky suspicion that it's just going to be more of the same. And there might be like long periods of time where uh, Kratos is by himself. And a, and we play as Atreus without Kratos. Like the, the, that's probably how the 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 gameplay will shift in that way. So we'll see. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, well, we got a release date for one game, and then we got a delay for another. Pablo Square Enix, in our second hit point news item, has decided to delay Forspoken to January twenty fourth, twenty twenty three. In a tweet from the official Forspoken Twitter account, they claim this was a strategic decision with key partners. And that quote, all game elements are now complete and development is in its final polishing phase, end quote. So Pablo, what are your thoughts about this delay, the timing of the delay, and how Forspoken can maybe earn back some of its hype? I think there's two minds to this. I will say Forspoken to me has consistently failed to impress from its cringy voice acting and writing all the way to like the fish out of water tired premise, but also the way that you know, unfortunately, these Caucasian writers describe their black female protagonists as very angry, someone who's fallen through the cracks of society, and someone who was very close to jail, 
and describing her walk in the game as a very hip hoppy kind of walk. That's those were those were direct uh, quotes from what they said. Yeesh. But you mm. couple that with the way Sony has barely talked about the game and how it's it was delayed till late this year before being delayed out of 2022 completely. I think one of the main reasons it, it, it it's def I think it's definitely God of War. Uh, but I also think um, this game isn't ready. Uh, because it just isn't doesn't it's probably not very good. The disc, the discourse of, of of God of War Ragnarok being delayed out, uh, out of twenty twenty two was mostly created by the internet. Sony and Santa Monica were pretty much steadfast on the game coming out this year. So uh, on on God of War coming out this year. So them saying, well, we got with partners and delaying Forspoken out of twenty twenty three seems a little weird to me because they always knew that God of War was going to come out in twenty twenty two. I think that the other mindset is that Sony is actually impressed with Forspoken. They think it's pretty good, and it was a contingency plan just in case God of War got delayed. And now they're giving want to give the new IP its moment to shine by moving it to January. I think that you can look at it both ways. That either it's terrible and they just like let's get this game the fuck out of here and let it die in January, or it's pretty decent. People are going to be really surprised, kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy type. And uh, let's give it a time to shine because we finally are getting God of War uh, Ragnarok. So it, it's it's weird, um, but it definitely has to be an amalgamation of all those things. Whether or not it's good or it's bad, it remains to be seen though um yeah i mean i I think if i had to pick a side of the fence on this i i would say that i think sony was the key partner that they're talking about talking to and that sony said in so many words get this game out of here um (laughs) i think they wanted it out of here um everything to your point that we've seen about forespoken um and what we've heard their developers say about forespoken has been horrible (laughs) i mean i don't really know and i i hate saying this because i i I don't like kind of casting this cloud over a new ip but i still don't know who this game is speaking to i don't know who they want this to be for Um, hey poppy type of walk people i don't know either that or they just want their own their own little mcu experience with all the quips and cringy dialogue you get from that but with their own little twist and it's just not working and i think sony when they when they realized okay god of war is going to be fine we're actually going to be able to get it out this year let's get forespoken out of here because god of war and the last of us uh part one are going to eat that game alive anyway there's no reason to have it out this year just Take a few extra months, get some things polished, figure out a better marketing rollout than this because, I don't know, it's been pretty abysmal and there really hasn't even been much of one. And then let's figure out, you know, how how things land early next year. I, I think to get the hype back, they've, they've got to do a better job of presenting what this game is about and they've got to make it more likable. Um, I think that there has not been anything likable about this game other than it looks like some of the, you know, the, the effects in, in the combat that we've seen look really cool. They look very yeah. Final Fantasy and lots of shards and light beams everywhere. Like that stuff is nice for trailers. Yeah, but yeah, how yeah. does your game play? And I think they have done an, a, a terrible job of explaining what a gameplay loop of this game actually is is like and how to make that fun. So I think they really have to go back to the drawing board here and maybe not lead with cine- like cinematic stuff, 
because that's already been kind of proven as like bad. Like unless they've re-recorded dialogue or something, I think that's going to be a lost cause. What you can do is you can win people back with having really tight and good-looking gameplay. Yeah. I think, yeah, and also kind of the way the, the marketing, in terms of uh, explaining the game, it's what it is. They've done a bad job there. Also, the whole, like, Gary Whitta and Amy Hennig wrote the game and then turned oh. out that they didn't. All they did was write the premise and they handed that game over to the, the two people who were writing the game. That's far cry. That's a far cry from actually writing the game, saying we wrote we wrote the oh, story. Yeah. Kind of like, like uh, George R. R. Martin wrote uh, <laughs> Elden Ring. He didn't yeah. do anything. Really, just write some fucking pieces of thing you find and explanations of what that thing is but um i i i think everything you said made me think of something i wonder if they really wanted it to die because it was bad i think they just would have released it this year you know right let 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 it die between fucking uh the last of us and 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 god of war but there might be something to the fact that maybe there is something there where they want to give it a little bit more of its own time to shine uh, and maybe they think that the game can possibly turn it around. Um, I'm very, I've, ever since Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, I've been very skeptical in terms of like completely shutting out a game in terms of based on its trailer because, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy showed horribly. Uh, like kind of like this yeah. in uh, yeah. many ways. Uh, cringy dialogue, the pieces that they picked out of context. The the, the gameplay was looked weird. It didn't look great visually. It looked fine, but not amazing. Like all these things, I can compare them to to this game. And so, um, I wonder if, if it'll turn out to be fine. But uh, we'll see. We'll we'll see. For sure. Let's get to our third hit points for news spoken, item. Actually. What you said for sure, but I said it's forespoken. Okay. I just... I was half like worried that you were going to say I have to pee again, and then I was going to be mad. But uh, let's no, go no, to no. the next one before you actually do have to pee. Um, <laughs> Mary DeMaria, who is one of the lead writers of the Deus Ex series and the game we just talked about a second ago, Guardians of the Galaxy, has now left Eidos Montreal to join BioWare as senior narrative director for the next Mass Effect. After the disappointment, Pablo, that was Mass Effect Andromeda, the prospect of a new Mass Effect is kind of both exciting and a bit worrisome at the same time. So I think the question is, is hiring Mary DeMaria or DeMaria enough to put our minds at ease about uh, the future of Mass Effect and Bioware? Yeah, it does a lot in the way of making me feel better about what's next in the Mass Effect series. I mean, it's hard to deny the caliber of writer uh, that Bioware just got. I mean, when I look at some of my favorite games of the last generation, she's responsible for three of them. You know, the ma- the the um, um, the Deus Ex ones, and you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, she. I think she has a really good eye and and, and kind of know with know in terms of know how of writing. Uh, narrative experiences when it comes to character forward narrative experiences uh she understands kind of like storytelling through the characters dialogues and stuff like that all that stuff is is really really important in mass effect games uh you know character development through conversations that's always what made those mass effect games really 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 dope and so i feel like her hiring her with for Mass Effect just feels like okay they're getting back to the roots they're getting back to to what made th- those Mass Effect games super special and if it's anything like the conversations and the moments that you had on your ship with Guardians of the Galaxy uh, and those conversations that you had with people uh, in the world in Deus Ex I mean it, it, 
this does a lot in the way of kind of uh, making me feel better about uh, about this game. I mean, I don't think I don't I think they learned a lesson with 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 how bad Mass Effect Andromeda is, and I hope that you know this is is this is a step forward into making Mass Effect Mass Effect again. So yeah, it does a lot in the way of kind of calming me down a little bit in terms of my worrisome for the for the series going forward. Um. Yeah, I mean that's interesting because I, I I don't disagree with all of the benefits of having her on board. Um, there's no question that her skill set and her um, ability to create great stories and weave them into um, video games is, is is top of the line. But if the question is if is if this is enough to put my mind at ease, the answer is no. And it's it's a very simple reason. It's because most of the problems that Bioware has had in recent years is not necessarily because of its writing. It's because of how Bioware is managed. Um, from top down, I think they've had a lot of really bad years of kind of leading their own team astray and really taking great talent and not really knowing what the hell to do to make a great game with them. And so I'm a bit worried that even though this is a great pickup and this can only mean hopefully good things for the next Mass yeah. Effect, the problem is that how is this person going to be managed by the people on top at Bioware? Because that's been historically the problem. We've had Casey Hudson in and out and he's kind of all over the map. He's almost like a Todd Howard kind of, is he is he the best thing for Bioware or is he not? You don't even know yeah. sometimes. And then you have a lot of the stuff that's kind of been reported about Bioware, about the Anthem debacle and uh, the way that they've treated Dragon Age and their own self-perception of having the Bioware magic of being able to, you know, magically put a game together in its final weeks of development. And so there's a lot of ego in that management as well. So if, if I'm looking at this, you know, holistically, I don't know if this move is really enough to tackle what some of the bigger problems in Bioware yeah. are that do trickle down and, no pun intended, affect Mass Effect. Um, so while I appreciate this hire, I think it's a great pickup. I don't know if it solves the, the real problems that can cause the most damage to Mass Effect moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that to a certain extent myself. I know that they had that Shadow Realms game that got canceled uh, because oh, yeah. it just wasn't yeah. yeah doing well. And then that kind of morphed into what Anthem was. And I think they, Anthem was led more with the money aspect of it, you know, of them course. doing their own destiny. Uh, and so that that's left a huge stain on, on, on Bioware for sure. But, you know... You know Dreadwolf Dragon Age looks promising, and I'm putting kind of Mass Effect in that in that same category where I think Bioware wants to get back to the old Bioware, and by doing ha having this hire and and kind of uh, putting those uh, those wheels into motion, it feels like they're trying to do best by its series, uh, and so that's why I'm, that's why I'm, I feel better about it. But you know, you never know. You know, yeah. uh, you really never know. Uh, We'll talk about Mass Effect Andromeda later in the show, but <laughs> those are the kind of things where, man, mm. the, the game could go bad. It could go wrong real sure. bad and real quick. Yeah, No doubt. All right. So our fourth and final hit points news item is an interesting one. An anonymous insider has reported to Kotaku that Rockstar Games has shelved all remakes to focus exclusively on the development of Grand Theft Auto 6. 
Despite initial rumors suggesting that this decision was, was made a few years ago, it's actually now believed that the poor reception of last year's dismal GTA Trilogy Definitive Edition is the reason behind this decision. The prioritization of GTA 6 seems to be legit as Rockstar has also officially announced that Red Dead Online will no longer be supported with any kind of large-scale updates in the future. Pablo, what's your take? Rockstar once seemed like an unstoppable force in the industry, despite like its toxic work environment rumors, leadership infighting, and rumors of crunch culture. That stuff never really seemed to affected them. They still seem their perception was that they were like uh, unassailable. But that all changed last year, and I think you know even before that, with kind of the disastrous trilogy. Uh, but it's a shame that Grand Theft Auto Four was a casualty of that incompetence. Um, I think this is less a story about Red Dead Redemption and Grand Theft Auto 4 being shelved in terms of remaster. I think this is more of the dire need and kind of like their them banking on GT uh, Grand Theft Auto 6 being a hit and being really really good because it's like Defcon 6 over there. They're like they are all hands <laughs> they're all, all hands on deck. They're they're ready. They have to make Grand Theft Auto 6 as perfect as possible like it has to the game has to feel good has to feel modern no technical issues the online portion can't launch like grand theft auto 5's on launch uh online uh it launched it when it first came out so this feels more like a, a thing where it's like that game the rumors of that game being development hell seem real and so it, pulling everybody out of everything to work on the game uh seems what's really happening here but again uh, another game that that I love uh, getting shafted, uh, Sly Cooper last week, Grand Theft Auto Four this week. It's it, what did I do? What did I do? What you did, did a I lot. Do? You did a yeah, lot. I know. Okay. I know. I deserve it. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate to say this, but um, back when the uh, trilogy debacle was first going on last year, I distinctly remember saying on this show, "I think in so many words, you can kiss GTA Four goodbye because they're not yeah. going to oh, take yeah. a chance." putting another remaster or remake out there that's going to just take more heat because it, and and what I don't like about their their rationalization of the poor perception of last year's perception it wasn't perception that was the the uh, reception that was the problem it was your lack of quality work that was that bad. was the problem your reception was was what you earned from your lack of you know putting together a, a well-made trilogy so you you earned that fam like it's not our fault it's your yeah, fault. It took advantage. You made a bad remaster, so only. Yeah, it took advantage of like the uh, of their like uh, hype. People love you, Rockstar. Exactly. And, you capitalized and, yeah. on it. You replaced the old versions of the, of the you know the games on PC. Like, what were you? Th- this is your fault. hundred <laughs> percent. Public yeah. reception has nothing to do with that. So I just thought yeah. that was funny and, and and typical. You know, that's that's typical damage control rhetoric that I I hate that the industry does. Um, now here's the thing. GTA 6 has got to deliver. Yeah. It, it is the it is one of the most important games that'll come out in the next 5 to 10 years. Um yeah. it's going to be massive. It has to be massive. Um and to your point, they're not going to let the next iteration of GTA Online start off as as weak and um feature anemic as GTA Online started off with 5. Yes, yeah, it did. It was bad. It was really bad. It was it was skeletal out here. Bag of bones. And almost impossible to log into for a very long time. Bone dry. Yeah. Bone thugs. It was bad. It was just really bad. And so <laughs> so here's the thing. 
it's a tough call and I hate that it has to be this way, but I agree with the decision. Yeah. I, I do because at, at this point, whether GTA six is troubled or it's just so massive that they can't do it with their current manpower, you've got to get this game out in the next two to three years. I think you, you, you have to. Um, so if that means you've got to hold or cancel or delay other projects, that's what you got to do. Now, the other thing I'll say yeah. is this. From this moment forward, I don't want any other online Rockstar Games experience except for GTA Online. If you make another Red Dead, don't don't put out another online. That was a huge thing mistake that you cannot support. I you bring Bully back, don't give me Bully Online. I don't want nothing online from you except GTA uh, Online for GTA Six. Not because I like it, but because you have a track record of not really being able to handle the workload. They're averaging two games a decade at this point, which is horrible. And GTA 5 has become the Skyrim of their catalog. It's on everything. It's on my lamp. You know what I mean? Like, so at at a certain point, like you've got to get your, your workflow back on track. And so if that means all hands on deck, do what you got to do. But it's just it's frustrating to see that um, as much as I didn't like Red Dead Online, that those fans got left in the dust and never had a chance to thrive with that with that mode. Um, that's a shame, and I really feel yeah. bad for that community because uh, people still play that thing. It's it's still on the top list of, of Xbox uh, Online games that are played. Um, oh yeah, and, and that's it's just that's depressing. Um, so yeah, it, moving forward, it, hopefully I, it's a lesson learned. Yeah, and, and I, I think, obviously, this also tells you, simply, that Grand Theft Auto 4 Remaster was going to be a shit job, just like... Oh, probably, uh, yeah. Yeah, Phoned and in. that's what's like, you know what, they, they didn't really like this, so let's not do that. Yeah. And Red Dead Redemption uh, Remaster, I think the reason, one of the reasons they wanted to do it was to it release on PC, and I know that there's some coding mm-hmm. issue with the way that that yeah. game was made that can't run on PC specifically, so that would have to have been a huge un- undertaking to almost remake that game just for it to be on PC, and that Maybe that's not worth it for them. So all this makes a lot of sense. Uh, I just wish we lived in a world where they respected those older games and really made a really dope remaster so I can finally see Grand Theft Auto 4. And people can finally experience Grand Theft Auto 4 who might have experienced it as younger kids or something as older and really understand the nuance of that story uh, of that game, which I absolutely adore. Uh, But yeah, Yeah. uh, maybe one day, but probably not. Uh, The game's still playable. It still looks good. Um, yeah, ish. It, yeah, it's just a letdown, though, man. Yeah, oh, it yeah. is a letdown. Speaking of letdowns, it's time to get into our checkpoint chat, which is all about letdowns. So let's get to it. It's time for the checkpoint chat. All right, so for our checkpoint chat this week, me and Pablo have decided to take a trip down memory lane and think of the five games that we were super excited about. That let us down the most. So we're thinking back, not just a few years ago, but we're thinking back all the way through our time as gamers and really, really thinking of the games that just left us hanging. And uh, we're going to call those games out. We're going we're gonna to blow off some steam. We're going to let out years worth of frustration here. And it's going to get emotional. All right. Angry, <laughs> angry tears are going to be shed. Uh, yeah. But Pablo, we're going to go. Um, I think we'll go round robin like usual. Uh, we're going to yeah. go from our fifth um, most, uh, fifth biggest letdown, rather, all the way up to our first worst letdown of all time. 
Yeah. So, um, Pablo, let's not waste any time, dude. Let's jump right in. I want to start with you. Tell me your fifth biggest letdown as a gamer. Yeah, number five uh, is actually fairly recently uh, a recent game. That's Deathloop. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Arcane, but imagine making a game that abandons pretty much everything you love about their flagship series and makes a confusing time traveling game obsessed with uh, a game that's obsessed <laughs> with being different. Uh, it does improve on the overall kind of mechanics of what they've done previously. Shooting, introversal feels better. Game looks really good. Maintains that dishonored art style, but it improves it. Sure, all that good, all that good stuff. But the way they decided. Uh, to make this just <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's the Quentin Tarantino pulpy kind of approach without none of that man's talent. I mean, look, there's a uh, there's there's just very little about this game that that works for me. Uh, you know. I know there's a thing about artists and creators that they continually don't want to make the same things over and over. And so they kind of start branching out and doing new things. They're, Arcane is going through it right now. Redfall and, and, and Deathloop. But, I mean, I, I honestly don't understand what their approach was, approach was with Deathloop. They threw everything out the window with what made the Dishonored series great. And just made this game that uh, people love this game. And I'm not too sure why it, it, it doesn't. It's confusing, not because it's high level in terms of like a, a concept, just because it's poorly executed. It's it's just it gets to a certain point where it just becomes a redundant experience. Uh, it, it, and and I I for, for one was was I definitely had like the it's fine. It's actually pretty good at first, you know, playing through it. It's like it's a, it's not bad. It feels pretty good to play. I like the story, but ultimately, it just was not an experience that I wanted to have with an arcane game. It it really just felt like they were trying to reinvent themselves and really forgot where they came from. I know Marco's not a big fan of the of the uh, of, of those games, but uh, I really was hoping for more of that or something different in that world or something different altogether. But keeping a concept in place that isn't this confusing garbage. Uh, I yeah, De- Deathloop for me is just one of the biggest disappointments uh, of recent time. It, but it really just does not work for me at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I don't know how to say it much better. And I think, um, frankly, it's it's a weird game to me that just shouldn't have been greenlit, in my opinion. It just yeah. feels messy. It feels sloppy. It feels like a concept that really never came together. That's right. Um, I think That's the marketing rollout was a mess. Like. They they had an impossibly and ridiculously difficult time explaining what this game is. Like they tried their best to do everything they could to say it's not a roguelike. But it's basically a roguelike, and it's, it's like, a roguelike. yeah, it's kind of. I mean, you got your little, you know, oh, but yeah, but it's a roguelike, but it's not because it does this. And and guys, every roguelike has that that caveat thing now. That's yeah. the new chic thing to do. Oh, it's not like a traditional roguelike because this game lets you keep this, and it's yeah. like, dude, it's it's still it's still that. And and this is a and and frankly, even though I don't like roguelikes, this was still kind of the bottom end of the ones that I have played in my opinion. Yeah. I just and don't it, like it at all. And it does different things with parsing out the story. And I think it does really cool ways, intricate ways to kind of kind of ta- attaching all the stories, uh, all those story moments, except the overall story sucks. So oh. who cares? You know, oh my it, God. It's, it, it sucks. So the most uh, the most yeah. uninteresting batch of villains that I've played against in, in years. And you revolve the so whole try story. Hard. The, yeah. the whole story is revolved around finding them, and then you ha- obviously it's it's the cult and, and uh, dynamic and stuff. But it, it you know these bosses were just so 
just boilerplate and boring and and, and absolutely shallow in every way, shape, yeah. or form. And it was just not exciting to to find them, to listen to them talk. There was no, there was nothing about that that felt you know great yeah. to me narratively. Just, so yeah, I like yeah. the half baked concepts, the whole invasion it. thing stuff was, was was just felt bad. Yeah, yeah. didn't like fan. this game at all. I tried. With every fiber in my being to 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 say that I like this game, uh, but I don't, I don't, and for I don't, I don't like this game at all. And it has a lot to do with the kind of my love for Dishonored Shore, but also I think this game is bad. Yeah. No, all right. What do I you got? I don't disagree. Um, my fifth biggest letdown in gaming history is a game called Jade Empire. Now a lot of people, you know, love Jade Empire, swear by Jade Empire. Uh, I think ACG, for instance, is, is a notable name in gaming. He is Jade Empire McGee. Um, and this is a <laughs> Bioware uh, RPG, for those of you that don't know. Uh, it is um, an IP that came out of the uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic era. It was the it was the next game that they did right after the first KOTOR. Yep. And so for me, coming off of KOTOR, having my mind blown, like I talked about uh, in a previous episode about you know this being my third favorite game of all time, now you're taking me out of Star Wars, which I'm not even big on in the first place. You're giving me, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, a, a whole different original story set somewhere else. It's your own creation. And I believe in your gameplay formula. I believe in your writing, your storytelling at this point. I'm all in. Every preview of this game. But there was it, also like a Asian bend to it. And for those people who don't know Marco, and I think I mentioned it, this man owned Ninja Stars. Ninja okay? Stars. Sure can. Okay, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is your game all over it. Uh, it was Mark. It was oh, it was it was it was Marco Empire, and <laughs> this this thing, this thing had such momentum. People forget like when this game was was um, in its little rollout phase back in the day. No one thought this game was going to bomb, and it reviewed incredible. It's one of the highest rated games ever. Yeah, I remember that. And 9. I played 7 this. IGN, I think gave it. Dog, I played this game, and this was sleep fuel this was (laughs) this was a this was a 30 hour nap it was just comatose from beginning to end the game the the combat was abysmal and they tried so hard to make it you know more action driven and to to evolve what they tried to do with kotor and make it a little bit more interactive and it just felt wonky every single time i tried playing it the story was just remarkably mundane and dialogue was bland and boring and the characters were bland and boring. They, they attempted a plot twist at the end that was so predictable that not that I was expecting a KOTOR twist all over again, but it was like, dog, I, I knew that like 10 hours into the game, man. Like, why are we doing <laughs> like the master turns on the students? Like, what? Are we, okay. 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 Fine. We get it. And it was just, such it was such a letdown man and i i cannot like the one thing i liked about it was i thought that it was designed well for its time the atmosphere was cool i I did enjoy that but everything about that game to me was just comatose and i don't know why people we we need we need jade empire to come back we need it to they need to make they need to bring back jade empire no no they don't They, they don't need to worry about that they have bigger so I, issues to, to deal with at, at Bioware than what to do with Jade Empire. Leave that game in the grave. It was boring <laughs> and it sucked. And 
I don't care if people are going to be, oh my God, he doesn't understand video game. He's, he's just not a gamer. That game was, it was not it, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I had a, a different experience with it because I don't know what I was doing. I just did not, I, don't, I didn't know anything about this game. And I think I, I walked into a GameStop and had just come out that week. And I picked it up and I, I really liked it, but I didn't love it. Um, uh, I, I share a lot of the same things that Marco says about the game in terms of his combat and all that stuff. It wasn't necessarily like that experience that I thought I was going to have with a Bioware game. Though uh, at that time, admittedly, I, I, I probably didn't have the same kind of understanding of what Bioware, who Bioware was, uh, even though I know they were the creators of KOTOR. So yeah. uh, and in our prediction show, I predicted that they were going to remake this because I felt like maybe the game does benefit from a remake if they kind of overhaul it. Uh, but... Um, I can understand where Marco's coming from. If if, if Kotor is his third favorite game of all time, and they they announced this game that it's really up his alley in terms of things he likes, and then it being what it was, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that uh, being on here for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, man. All right, well, let's move on to your fourth biggest letdown of all yeah. time. What do you got? I kind of wanted to omit this from the list because everybody knows this uh, about me in terms of like gaming history, but I, I just I just couldn't because I it's Horizon Zero Dawn, and and the reason for that is because leading up to this game, I was all about this game, it, it, a game that seemed promising, had a lot of going for it, interesting concept, post apocalyptic with like some futuristic bend. They showed conversation trees late in in the in in the actual presentation of the game that I was in. It seemed like a game that was like juggling a lot but they presented it in a way that was really really great uh but the reality was that all those things that showed were half-baked ideas that never really were interesting like the story was an exposition dump just Aloy hanging out by a recording device listening to the story being told to her the world itself was beautiful and it had interesting things but it was interested in its own tribal nonsensical narrative that kind of still plagued its sequel in, in a lot of ways um it, the conversation tree ultimately didn't mean much in way of shaping the story. It was just variation of responses that ultimately meant nothing to the particular conversation or overall arcing story. The traversal was far too limiting. The combat was really one note and boring. The game wanted you to be uh, become this hunter type of a, of a warrior with a bunch of tools used, like traps and things like that, that just weren't fun at all to use. The uh, a lot of people wanted to defend the game saying, hey, listen, this game is pretty good, but it's marred by the fact that Breath of the Wild came out like less than 30 days later and kind of blew it out the water no no this game isn't very good thank you because thank you. yeah this game is very good because the game isn't very good that's it i mean I, I think that that's 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 all of it i i i look at the pedigree of this team and you know with their previous games they also had half-baked ideas that never really came into fruition always showing off incredible gameplay or cgi trailers and never delivering on any promises and this is by far horizon Zodana is their best game or uh, forbidden west is probably their best game but it's a mid series it's a mid series plain and plain and simple i i'm enjoying horizon forbidden west way more than zero dawn because i know what to expect and i expect a mid type of series it has some really cool ideas that just never fully delivers and it's never going to be a special series it never is I, I i don't care what anybody says i i i don't think that these everybody who you talk to about this game 
never talks to this game like they're talking about Ghost of Tsushima or The Last of Us. They're all kind of like, it's pretty good. Oh, come on. You're still, it's pretty good. Even in their tonality, they're kind of like, oh, you're probably right, but I enjoy it. It's open world, it's open world uh, retreads. It's, it's just not fun. It's not fun at all. Um, it's fun. It's fine. It's just not what they think it is, you know, in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, um, I don't disagree with a lot of that. I, I, it wasn't in my list or a contender on my list because, um, kind of what you alluded to about Gorilla. I, I just, I never saw Gorilla as that, that team. They were just yeah. not. They were not that studio to me. Um, to me, Killzone was a series that never took shape. It never came to fruition. The vision of that series never was never even clear, let alone yeah. fully realized. It was just this sci-fi military shooter that had nothing, yep. that had no heart, that had no narrative, that had no nothing fascinating about it other than some unique gameplay things that it did try to do. So when you take a team like that and you say, well, now we want them to really write us a great story and create a great new world, I'm naturally going to be a little skeptical. Um, yeah, yeah. Even though, even though they had said prior to Zero Dawn coming out, this was the game they always wanted to make. That right. doesn't mean anything to me because you, you, you wanted to make Killzone <laughs> and look how that turned <laughs> out. So like, what, what does that mean to me? Right. And I hate to be yeah. so cantankerous about it. It's just that you're right. This, this game just doesn't really pull off what it's trying to pull off very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, it's very tribalistic gobbledygook most of the time. We're going to go to the Whispering Rock to do the sacrifice of the Ten over the Moonstar <laughs> uh, Trek water. I don't, I don't even know what that means. And then, you know, the sequel later on does that times ten. And then the sci-fi yeah. hook to me, you know, has some potential. I like the AI uh, aspect of it, but it just never, never really clicked for me at all. Um, and yeah. I, I didn't really like any of the characters, and I think Aloy... I gave her a lot of free passes after the first game, but she got on my last nerve after the second game. So I just, yeah, I'm with you. I think this just is a series that is not for me. Um, it's cool that other people like it, but I don't is think she? I don't think this is the top of the the top tier PlayStation franchise that people say it is. And who the hell jumps like that? She jumps who? like a Billy Goat, bro. Her who does she that? Like she jumps like Jack and Daxter did back in this. Like yeah. the overly animated, you know, uh, she jumps. Hop. Her, her, oh, another hippity hop. She, uh, her, uh, her arms are, are flailing in the air and both of her, uh, legs tuck into her body as the, I was like, what Why? is happening? It's so weird. Anyway, Anyways, yeah. Now we're nitpicking, but we can nitpick all day, bro. All I, day. Oh, that little kid had the biggest head in Zero Dawn. Oh, that, big it was, head. That head, big it head. was like a condition. It was a condition. And who likes it was a white a, girl with dreads anyway? Like it who? was a DNA condition. <laughs> that head <It> was <laughs> not a DNA condition. All right, let's move on. I and got then, my yeah. number four. Oh, and then the dentist ass looking people who were tribalsmen. That, oh, that man's a dentist from, from San Francisco. Shut up. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> all right, shut up. My number my number four biggest letdown of, of all time for me um, is Resident Evil 6. <sighs> this is Identity Crisis the game. This is this okay. <laughs> I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sensationalizing when I say this, but I, I will say if there was an alternate reality where someone said after Resident Evil 6, there was never a Resident Evil again, I would totally understand. It was, this was that bad of a game. Um, this was a game that to me tried to be everything. 
and yeah. failed at everything that it was trying to be. And it started with trying to combine the survival horror signature of the Leon Kennedy campaigns with the what became the very action horror um, romp of the Chris Redfield campaigns from like circa Resident Evil 5. And then bringing in this whole other angle of having Albert Wesker's son. Uh, oh, I guess he's got Lord. a kid now. This is cool. And some no-name sidekicks that they each had that all were irrelevant and decided we're going we're gonna to have three campaigns take place. And they're all going to take place in different areas of the Resident Evil 6 timeline. So that you get to be confused all game long about whether this <laughs> cutscene happened when those two were doing something or after those two were doing to the point where they had a whole nother thing in the menus where you can watch all the cutscenes from all three campaigns in their correct timeline sequencing. Yeah. And it was just like, why? Why though? Yeah. So to me, Resident Evil 6 was really the moment where Resident Evil had officially lost its way. And they were just, it was just a, a, a big old game of Resident Evil gumbo. Let's throw in a little of this, a little of that. Let's sprinkle in some of that from the old game. Let's take some of that from Resident Evil 5. Let's stir it up, put it on, uh, you know, simmer, and, and let's see what happens with the gaming community. Surely they're all going to love it because there's something for everyone. And it just sucked. It was it was yeah. a it was a miserable experience. Um, and whatever little things that it did that were okay, I would say the Leon Kennedy campaign was probably the best of the three. But even then, it was so much a shell of itself that Resident Evil became truly unrecognizable as a franchise. Um, and I really thought that could be it for the series. And I believed it for a while. Obviously seven came along kind of went a whole different direction and village came back behind that and sort of brought back some familiar faces and course corrected some things, but it was, it was spooky out here for resident evil. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it, it's so crazy. Cause I know I remember loving resident evil four and five coming out and, and, and enjoying that f to an extent, but feeling, Oh, they're, they're doing something different. And then six, just kind of jumping that shark in a way that it was absolutely unattainable. I was like, I don't know. I, I I'm with you. I thought it was done. I think that, uh, revelations two came out after. And I, I and that was a lot more like, uh, yeah, a resident evil. They game. Were both I was like, okay. So right maybe this is, yeah, it's pretty good. And then seven came out and kind of reinventing the, the, the formula, not a huge fan of seven, but, it paved way to village, like you said, and then the remakes. They had to go back to the remakes because uh, <laughs> it's the only way that they could have probably revived the series. Uh, but yeah, six is is a dark, dark time for Resident Evil fans because I, I don't know, I don't know of any Resident Evil fan who likes this game, and I don't know any video game fan who likes this game. I just don't know, and it reviewed well, I think, which is weird. I don't get it, man. And plus, I, I think the people six were like, "Oh, refresh!" I remember people talking about it's a refreshing take on the formula. I'm like, then you don't know what Resident Evil is because I'm not even a huge Resident Evil fan, and I thought this game was absurd. It was, it was absurd, so, so bad. It was like it was, it was so like Uwe Boll wrote it or something. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like if they made a movie, uh, they made the the game from the movie from Duh, you're not <laughs> Resident wrong. I mean, Evil was, the movie, the game. 
man, I get, I get, I get heated just from think. And the six looks like a giraffe's getting a blowjob still to this day. <laughs> to this does. day, yeah, all the time yeah. blowjob. That giraffe is getting the business to this the day. Is probably the best thing about the, about the whole thing. He is happy. someone's getting something. You know, he was the yeah. I mean, he turned out great. Um, everybody else suffered, but yeah, that's my yep. that's my fourth uh, biggest letdown ever. Let's get to number threes, Pablo, and let's start with your third worst letdown of all time. What do you got? Halo 5 Guardians, you son of a bitch. Listen, (laughs) I am not one of those people who think that Halo 4 is a bad game. I think I actually rather love Halo 4. I think it's a very good game. The story with Cortana, all that shit is absolutely fantastic. The lead up to 5, I couldn't have been more hyped. Hunt the Truth podcast was fucking amazing. I love Hunt the Truth podcast. Matter of fact, I heard it a couple of uh, months ago. Remember that podcast, Marco? Yeah, yeah. That was incredible. I, I felt that the whole 343 living up to Bungie's Halo takes were unfounded at that time. Uh, though I think it's true now, but when Halo 4 came out, I thought it was still pretty... Uh, it was I mean, Halo 4 came out, it was great. Then 5 comes out. <laughs> Listen, Guardians made the decision to once again take control away from, the, uh, from Master Chief. And while Halo 2 did it with the Arbiter... The Arbiter was a good character. It had this background, was ripe for exploration, uh, and telling a story from his perspective was super interesting. Uh, not Locke. Uh, he's terrible in every way. Uninteresting, boring, bland, mindless soldier that we were forced to get behind. Uh, we had to complete missions on something we wanted no part of, no payoff, basically. People complain about the player controlling Abby and fighting Ellie. Like, oh, I don't want to do this. Imagine doing that for like the entire, for like half of the entire game. And plus, the marketing was a complete and utter lie as to what this game was going to be to begin with. Yep. So, you're coming into a whole kind of different like uh, perspective in terms of what this game is going to be. And it turns out to be bland, boring. And then you also don't play as Master Chief. And then it takes the Cortana of it all. After the story Ugh. of four and, 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 the, and Cortana's sacrifice relegated to a mustache twirling villain that really her entire kind of uh, reason Man, was she have menopause or something testosterone testosterone and on it's just unearned and just force it took the momentum of four and stopped it dead in its tracks 343 was trying to emulate what halo 2 did it was their halo 2 and they dropped the ball so hard like i it's never recovered it never recovered it's not recovered we have we really haven't gotten too much into our our kind of turnaround on our feelings about halo infinite but just know five was the beginning of the end five infinite might have extended the life a little bit of halo but man it's never recovered from this i i yeah, I, I, it, it was such a letdown. Dude. The multiplayer, even the multiplayer was good. Ugh. It does, it didn't. I like the multiplayer, it, but it didn't matter. It, it didn't, didn't matter, matter because, yeah. yeah, it felt, it felt like even though it was good, it didn't feel as good as the other uh, multiplayers. And the campaign was unattainable. It was the worst <laughs> thing. I, it's so bad. It's why, so bad. Why did you like? aggressively shake your head like that dog because it's it makes my it makes my head hurt and so Man, i have to shake it and i don't to shake the pain out of it i don't blame you though i mean plus the squad based combat was just so <sighs> like the the blue team who were those people who were those people man like who i mean we knew who buck was and that yeah, was about it was. and then the hey, whole buck we oh when you knock oh, okay we didn't have to, <laughs> we didn't have to do that that didn't have to happen at all but yeah it was a it was a disastrous game 
um, that that campaign was a whole bunch of nothing. It was short. It was, it was nothing. Nothing eventful of of any consequence happened other than you know ruining one of the most important characters in Halo history and gaming uh, for that matter, um, and just really showing that three four three didn't and continues to not know what yeah. the hell to do with Halo. But what was the point of Locke? Like, did they really think that he was going to take over? Or was that the, was that, I almost feel like that's what they wanted to do, where it's like, we want to make our own Halo and Locke is going to be our Master Chief type of thing. Like, is that really what they wanted to do? Because insane. That's like someone taking over Mario and be like, anyway, we got this new guy named Lario and he's going to be the guy now. It's like, what, just, just keep, make the, build off four, build off four. It, it was all there. And they decided to go so far off the deep end on that shit. Terrible. It was so stupid, man. The gameplay, I, I'll never forget, like, the squad-based gameplay. It's like, okay, hover your, your, your aiming reticle over a target and, and then order your team to shoot them. Or what I can do is I can just shoot them myself. I'm yeah. already aiming at them. So <laughs> what, is, what makes that worth my, like, uh, I, don't, I, I can go on and on about Halo 5. I think it's a disaster. I agree, hundred percent. Terrible. Yeah. Um, my number three, Pablo. I'm going to start off with a quote before I actually tell you what the name of this game is. And this is the quote oh, from God. the person who is the visionary behind this video game. Quote: I reckon that Project Ego. Keep a pin in that. I reckon that Project Ego is going to be the greatest role-playing game of all time, which is insane. I could say the second greatest. I could say quite good. I could say, hmm, it's quite nice. But I'm going to say greatest game of all time. That quote, ladies and gentlemen, is, is from Peter Molyneux, who is the creator of a game that would go on to be called Fable. Fable, ladies and gentlemen, is to me an absolute massive letdown. When you think about what the game was actually supposed to be when it was in development to the cut and mangled, decrepit version of that original vision that we ended up getting with Fable. And I know a lot of people love them some Fable, man. Oh, they do. Oh, they do. And it's hard to, it's hard to tell people that Halo, or not Halo, Fable is a letdown. But it is, man. And, and, and if you were around... When Fable was Project Ego, when it was uh, what it was originally intended to be, man, you were promised things that we still haven't seen a game do in all the years since then. I'm talking about examples like being able to um, cut an NPC and leave a scar on that NPC that they will then have for 20 years into the future of that game. I'm talking about being able to carve your name into a tree and it will stay in that tree throughout all the years that you live your life in that video game. I'm talking about things like your character being defined and taking the appearance of actions you take, such as if you make a habit of running away from combat, your character would begin taking on the traits of a coward with a pronounced facial tick. Okay. We're talking about a game that was supposed to have an online multiplayer co-op mode, was supposed to be open world, was supposed to let you age naturally, 
and have a complete world system, not just a time system, not just a seasonal system, but a world system that was supposed to be absolute next level video games. If you've played Fable, you didn't get none of that. And so if you were someone who bought into the Peter Molyneux dribble of this game's going to be the greatest game ever, and it's going to do things no game has ever done. And then you play Fable and go, what the hell is that? I'm just kicking chickens out here, man. That's all I'm doing. And it barely did anything that was initially promised. You have a massive letdown. I was so excited about this game. I couldn't shut up about it to my friends back in the day. I'm like, yo, this Project Ego thing, this is going to be one of the greatest games ever. It's going to have this, this, this. You can An acorn will drop from a tree. He said this. Acorn can drop from a tree, fall into the ground, and in a couple decades' time, it's going to grow right there from that very spot and form a tree of its own. Did, did any point in the Fable trilogy, did you be able to do that? No. 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 So... This is a case, this is one of those letdowns that, that derive from a visionary that won't shut his mouth, his whore mouth, because <laughs> he, he sold you snake oil. He gave you a false bill of goods for years. And then when you got the game, it was just this, to me, a very rudimentary action RPG that did a couple things that was kind of cool and quirky and funny, but didn't do anything remotely near what he promised that would make him say it was going to be the greatest game of all time. I say disappointment, to say the least. He, he went on to do the same for 2 and 3 as well. I almost had Fable 3 on my list of things. Uh, but listen, I am one of those people who who really like Fable. But everything you said about what he, in terms of setting expectations, it were absolutely true. It's right on. I mean, he just pretty much slid out his ass. I mean, he got really too excited about what he was trying to do and, and, and really didn't consult with the with the experts on what was possible. I, I think Fable is a great game. I I, 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 I do love it. But I, I think that it is a basic kind of action RPG at its core. And uh, when you have that and then you oversell it, I mean, it's going to disappoint. I mean, I think a lot of people gave a little, a little bit too much of a pass on it when it came out in terms of it. Well, it wasn't exactly what he said. It wasn't It wasn't that it wasn't exactly what he said. It was almost nothing like he said it would be. Um, you know, but I I do enjoy the games for what it is. But, I mean, I, again, Fable 3 almost in my list because even after I set my expectations, knowing that Peter Monolue is a goddamn liar... <laughs> I, I I I at least thought some things about three were going to be better in the way that he kind of set up Man, your choices, boo. and it wasn't. He he lied. Boo! He's a liar. He a liar. Um, go yeah. ahead, man. I'm done. Yeah. No, no. That's it. That that was your number three. Yeah, yeah. That was my number three. Yeah. So what's up next on your list, man? My number two. Um, it's a little game called Assassin's Creed Unity. <laughs> I wanted to do that first, man. That was my job. Look, this is the first time I remember really being burned by an Assassin's Creed game. Un unpopular opinion, I guess. I loved AC3 and thought it was a good follow-up to the Ezio trilogy. I really enjoyed Black Flag. So when Unity was about to come out, next-gen only Assassin's Cream... Uh, cream. 
<laughs> Yo. Ooh, the cream rises to the trap. Uh, oh, yeah. Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> I couldn't have been more happy, obviously. And let's ignore the horrifying technical issues. Yeah, those were hilarious. Yeah. The game the game itself didn't have an identity. It wanted to evolve the series, but it didn't do enough to change the formula. It just a hyper focus. It, it was really just a hyper focus on the next gen of it all. It was more of like a tech demo with the graphical fidelity and not really much else. Um and this is the first time that I can really remember where Ubisoft uh took Unity and started to really overload the map with bullshit. Three different upgrade points. A bunch of different chests. The game also forced you to do co-op missions if you wanted to get chests to unlock gear, which the game had a whole bunch of gear. The UI was insane. Consistently reminding you of sync points that you haven't used. It felt like a bulletin board for a game's overwhelming amount. It was just uh, of menu options. It was just always... There's something always in your peripheral. Like, what the fuck? Like, get out of here like it, it it was intense ubisoft had been chasing the Ezio auditory della forense fucking juice ever since the Ezio trilogy right ever since assassin's creed 2 and brotherhood and revelations uh and it never was able to do that with three i think that uh the stuff that connor did was okay it still wasn't that charming kind of Ezio character they really wanted to do something with arno dorian it's a french version of Ezio, except a bigger douchebag it was it just wasn't a very fun experience the story was nonsense it meant literally nothing to the overall uh uh arcing story of the assassin's assassin's creed whatever the hell that was because i don't fucking the eden the the garden that bull it was the apple of eden the (laughs) orange of mesopotamia i don't know bro it was just it, it was just it was Wild, it was wild, crazy nonsense, and this game did nothing in way of rectifying either way. And then, obviously, you had Rogue that came out on 360 uh, and PS3 before, which is the way better game, which actually had a, a a better kind of story as well. So, I mean, now you would hear that like, oh, an Assassin's Creed being a disappointment, guys. Assassin's Creed was the shit back in the day. I, I Marco, was, that was Marco's Christmas gift every, every year. year. Like that no. was the. Yeah, that was the game he waited for, you know, let his uh lady uh whoever it was to to kind of give it to him. Her like, cheating he, that ass. was a tradition to him. Huh? <laughs> I said so her cheating ass. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no. The tradition the tradition uh you know, it, th- these games were it, bro. These games were it, man. They, they were like the the cream of the crop. There were some of the best games I've ever played to begin with. Uh the the first one was great, the second one third. Um, really good games. And Unity, it was the first Everything you know about Assassin's Creed today that you don't like or like started with Unity. Unity was the inception point of that shit. And I don't like the Assassin's Creed game. I think Origins was great. Um, but everything ever ever since that, it's been bad, 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 bad. But Unity is that what, Marco? What the fuck you gonna say? See your smiling <laughs> ass. If uh if this is Assassin's Creed cream, then uh as Rick James would say, the milk has gone bad. <laughs> Unity <laughs> That was all Rick James right you. there. Yeah, yeah, you appreciate that. I hate Unity. You, did, did you like Unity? I played about a half hour of that game, and it was a Good whole lot you. of mm-mm. You could Good just tell you. it was it was a weird project for them. Yeah. It didn't feel cohesive. It didn't feel like it had a, a, a real objective. It just felt nope. like a very aimless Assassin's Creed game, and you could tell that immediately. There was just no real rhyme or reason behind anything. It was just like, you know, Assassin's Creed guys, here's here's something like that. 
you like it. That's what, and it, it, yeah. it's all it was to me. And I'm like, ah, I, I just, it's not connecting with me at all. So I bounced off yeah. that thing quick. Uh, so yeah, it wasn't for me whatsoever. Which, which sucks because what was the game that followed it with the twins? Wasn't that it? No, Unity was not it. No. Unity was really? the one with the, um, the, Unity was the one with the, um, it was like they tried to build a team uh, no. around the, the, the next one was Syndicate. That's the good one. Syndicate, the oh, London one. Oh, is the yeah, one yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. The, Syndicate the, the brother is dope. sister. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. That. Syndicate was dope and it didn't get as much as uh, attention because Unity was so bad. Yeah. And, and, and Syndicate is underrated. In my opinion, it's one of the most underrated Assassin's Creed games. I think mm. it, it it ranks highly for me. But Unity sucked, man. It was just so bad. It was just not good. Uh, and I really, and also I hated the French Revolution, all that bullshit they were trying to. It just, it just was bad. But yeah, I feel you. All right, man. So my second biggest letdown in gaming history goes out to Final Fantasy thirteen. Mm. Some of y'all are gonna be like, you should have said eight. You should have said. You should have said eight, man. Eight's, eight's one of the best Final yeah, Fantasies of all time. Fight me with your fists. Okay? Listen. 13 was a mess. And 13 was the plague that kept on plaguing. Because not only did they have a terrible game, they ran that hoe back for two sequels. And it was like, I don't know what it's going to take for them to just... Let it go. But they decided we are turning this into a miserable trilogy that you as a Final Fantasy fan are stuck with for an entire console generation. We're just going to stay right here. You know why? Because our 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 guy in charge of this game, he has a hard-on for his own creation, Lightning. That was literally why. He yeah. was obsessed with his own creation. Good friend of the show, Will. Uh, back when I used to have my own little website thing going on, he wrote a, uh, an awesome article about this this whole situation. And it, it was just the hard-on that wouldn't go soft. I, I, I don't know what it was, but man, Final Fantasy thirteen was an abomination on so many different levels. I think one of the biggest ones was clearly the narrative and characters. This whole... One group is called the Lussy. One of them's called the Falsy. It, it sounded like they were all speaking drunkenese, all these terminologies. The Falsy, the Lussy, you see, and I'm going to see it. We'll see it. That's how it sounded to me. And it never made sense what was going on with these, this whole conflict. They never explained it well. It never, it never clicked. And then you have the characters. Lightning was, was, was bone dry. I mean, this, Terrible. the personality of, of, of a paperweight, just, just, it's just there to, to hold something together. There was nothing interesting or charismatic about her. She wasn't even the squall type or she was the conflicted antihero. She was just, just abysmal. She was, she is a lot of like the precursor to an Aloy character to me. Just somebody that's just built to be insufferable and annoying. And then you have the supporting cast of characters. They have their their they they give us a, a black character for the first time, which is great. Or not for the first time, but um, you know, it's cool to see that. But hey, you know what? Let's give him an afro, uh, and let's put a freaking bird in his hair. <laughs> okay, well, okay, fine. Oh, you know what? Actually, the lead character has a sister, and she sounds like the biggest redneck 
you have ever met in your life. But pink hair. For no reason. Japanese as hell, but she sounds like a banjo fell out of her mouth. And it's like, dude, what do we do? Then you get to the gameplay. Linear as hell. Corridors. 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 You're playing with either by yourself as lightning or one other character from most of the freaking game. You don't even really get to a point where you're playing with at least three characters for longer than an hour. The entire game feels like a tutorial. All of it does. The story was boring and bland and went nowhere interesting. People were like frozen in crystals and the whole objective, I guess, was to get them out of the crystals or some some stuff like that. And it's like, man, what is happening here? And and for some reason, Marco, despite the, the objective, the, the objective of that game was actually to reach a Final Fantasy. Oh, shut your mouth. <laughs> Three games Three of games. this nonsense. I really, I mean, I knew Final Fantasy like, no, 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 was it's good. You like it. You like it. It's good. You like it. That's basically the whole thing. Doug, I knew Final Fantasy was going to be okay. I knew it wasn't like Resident Evil 6 where I was legitimately worried. But I was also like, come on, man. Like, let's move on. We only did this one other time for Final Fantasy X, and even that uh, sequel at the time was just this little girl group thing that they did, which was weird. They were all like, they turned Yuna into an idol in Japan or something like that, or weird, whatever she was. Yeah. So they had no real real traction on knowing how to make a sequel to a Final Fantasy. So let's do that two times for this game. God, it was it was a nightmare. It was a total yeah. nightmare. And I every time I think about that that Final Fantasy 13 era, I just die inside. I die. It's weird how there's even conversations now of people saying the game is not that bad. And I again will say that I'm not the biggest Final Fantasy fan and I can tell you how much I hate that game. It was it was boring to play. It was just it was bad. It, it never felt like a Final Fantasy game. Yeah, it was, it was bad. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Let's get to our number ones for yeah. worst letdown you've ever had. What do you got? My number one is a game we've t- I've talked about previously on this very show. It's Mass Effect Andromeda, mm. the follow up to the greatest sci-fi RPG of all time. But I wasn't even expecting Andromeda to live up to that. I wanted it just to be good. And it wasn't even a super, it wasn't even a solid Bioware space RPG. What we got felt like a great value version of Mass Effect because that's what it was. I mean, not only did the Mass Effect name, it didn't do any justice to the Mass Effect game, it really started Bioware into this weird path of mediocrity, which we talked about earlier. Um, I felt like I was playing a stripped down version of, of Mass Effect the whole time because that's what it was. I mean, they didn't understand what made Mass Effect special, all they wanted to do was kind of emulate the series characters like your main protagonist would never had made the final cut over the og trilogy i mean just bland 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 like these this is these are the the you're just supposed to be the predecessors uh to um commander shepherd what it's not, not even it's it's not even in the same uh, bracket of value let alone the companions i can't remember a single one or well, i guess the one that's kind of like this person the other one that's kind of like the other, that's all they were they were like shadows of the original uh, characters from the uh, original trilogy it, it, it just imagine trying to make a new trilogy of games from a critically acclaimed franchise and you jettisoned them 600 years into the future, completely separating them from a world that already is ripe for exploration. No, the, half of the aliens from that you encountered in the, in the Mass Effect trilogy weren't even there. It, it felt like a lonesome and, and, and empty experience. And I, they say that's the purpose. I say, 
garbage. I mean, the main the main antagonist, I I, I kind of liked. A I don't even bit. remember I thought, who that is. I'm genuinely I don't. Remember. It was kind of like um um. It was kind of like um. It kind of felt like uh, a little bit of the first from the first game. I forget S- Siren. Um, Saren. Uh, Saren. It felt kind of like him a little bit. Um, kind of this uh, this this character. That had, he had a presence, super underused. But ultimately, the exploration, every bit of that world, it just wasn't fun to play. It was a lot of emptiness, a lot of nothingness, and it, it was all it's all to be set up for a, a new Mass Effect. And I know that what they did with the way that the choices were different is because they were trying to avoid what happened with Mass Effect 3, where Mass Effect 1 and 2 had these open-ended, lot of kind of fragmented uh, ways that the story can go that was never going to be able to completely... Uh, come into its full closure with three so they only had like green light red light like if you do a green light uh in terms of like the way it was be working in the background was it was gonna keep going but if you got to the end of something that's it so it was only three or four different endings that you can possibly get but it almost had as much options in terms of dialogue as the mass original mass effect except none of those things went anywhere it was it was super just a a a a boring boring experience and i don't understand what the hell they were thinking because it just it it, it just never felt good to play never was interesting in any way shape or form i'm I'm completely baffled by this because they could have just made more mass effect and they decided to do something completely different and they completely shit the bed it's awful 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 what do you think about i know that you weren't a fan of this game it was on my list for a hot minute there man it was yeah um what a forgettable video game I mean, just mm-hmm. you know, there, there's moments from the trilogy that are etched that are etched in my mind forever as a gamer that I will never forget, always appreciate. And then you have this uh, this just nothing video game called Mass Effect Andromeda nothing. that comes in, puts you in the shoes of this this little derpy brother sister combo of the um, the Ryder siblings, Alex Ryder. Yeah. yeah, and then they just whisk you off into this mediocre meandering story um they, they they put you in a whole different area they they, they warp you 600 plus years into the future and you think man we're, we're stepping into a foreign foreign territory we don't even know what species live out here oh man it's like we're starting from square one like we did back in the day and you get around these people and it's just it's like one new race that's it yeah all, all the rest of them are the same and it's it, technically it's two but one race Kind of like got warped and turned into another that became the antagonistic race of the sea of the game. Yeah. It's all it really is, and every- and then a whole bunch of the other alien races never made it. Like the Hanar aren't it's- there because their ship didn't arrive yet. Like- yeah, and it's and then the, yeah, the, the weird thing with the ships never arriving. Then they withheld some of that for DLC that they ended up canceling, so they didn't even fulfill that whole story arc about the ships that were bringing in all the like the Noah's Ark kind of ships that were bringing in all you yeah, know yeah. the races and stuff. It was it was just a complete nightmare, and they the gameplay was game. bad. It was yeah. it was fetch questy. Everything looked bad. There was bugs galore. The running animation galore, was was yeah. whacked out. My eyes are tired. Remember that chick with yeah, the dead yeah, yeah, eyes, yeah. She bug eyed, and it was it was an embarrassment to the Mass Effect name. And they're still feeling you know the the aftermath of that to this day. You know, like there's a lot riding on this new game to really undo what was done with Andromeda and, and they they're they're not even like acknowledging that thing exists anymore like that thing yeah, is like they had, never happened <laughs> and it's crazy it's like so the balls they had to release this game in its in its form and in, in that shape and they're like 
oh yeah, this is going to be a new trilogy. Like, are you guys kidding? Me? We're going to withhold. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, no. Those aliens are going to be in the game. It's just that we're withholding them for the. Se- they're not going to get a sequel, bro. This, your game is garbage. Drown. Um, Marco, before you get to your number one, yeah, I have a quick uh, honorable mention that I'm not going to talk about, but I'm just going to say the name. The game that I was looking forward to was complete off. Star Fox human. Zero. Go ahead. Uh, too human. Remember that? I had it on my honorable mentions. I did. Yeah. yeah too human, man. I, I uh, Silicon Knights, I really won. I, I was looking for that game. I followed that game mm-hmm. through however many years it was being developed, and then it came out, and it was the comedy. It, fought, oh. it, it was fighting with Jade Empire to get on this list. but Yeah, yeah. it's so bad. And I, lo- I, I wish that, and I still love kind of like, I'm an Advent Rising fan, so I, I kind of would, wanted that to be my Advent Rising, you know, mm-hmm. I, uh, but man, so bad. So bad. So bad. Listen. Oh, man. My number one biggest letdown of all time. Um, Hideo Kojima has done some assassinating in his life. And he sure as hell put a bullet through the Metal Gear Solid series with Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. I am sorry, guys. I know what you want to say. Yeah, but that gameplay. Oh, but the gameplay. Yeah. Oh, man, that gameplay. Oh, it was just the best stealth game. Oh, the gameplay. Guys... Hold on. Why don't we talk about the game? The game that uh, is is not finished. How about the fact yeah. that it's not done? How about you waited all those years for that game to come out and it's not even done? Sorry, I guess you're just not gonna find out what happens or what's supposed to happen at the end of that. How about the fact that you're playing as Big Boss only you're not. You're playing as a as a paramedic with uh with some plastic surgery. <laughs> comedy plastic surgery you are playing <laughs> one more time guys as an emt with plastic surgery oh that and is convenient uh and convenient um he forgot you know oh, and, and a bunch of stones busting out of his head and a and a, yeah. and a prosthetic arm that's what you got for all the years of 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 revering metal gear of loving Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater as one of the greatest stories ever told in a game, greatest characters ever in a game. You get that. That's what you get. You get a terrible mission-based structure ripped right from the old uh, PSP and, and uh, you know portable ops and, and Peace Walker games that just sucked. They were generic, bland, and boring. That world was bland and boring. That mother base, whatever they were calling it in that game, F-O-B. boring. There was nothing no. to do there. The voice act. Oh, how about Kiefer Sutherland, guys? How about that? How about let's let's make you play as an EMT with plastic surgery, voiced by Kiefer Sutherland, who had all of about twelve lines in that entire game. How's that sound? How about and no also, David Hayter? Yeah, and it makes sense because they said, well, it's because you're not you're not Big Boss, but you actually see Big Boss in the game, and it's, da- and it's not David Hayter. And him, it it's still not. You still don't talk, dog. What happened? What happened? Ocelot, one of the most important critical characters in the entire history of that series, was relegated to a walking tutorial. Jesus. That's all he was. Quiet. Oh, you guys are going to regret your words and deeds when you talk about how she's dressed. The girl's a fish. (laughs) She breathes on her skin, A plant, a plant, a plant. A plant, uh, whatever, a plant. whatever she is. Yeah, photos. She breathes through photosynthesis. Oh, breathes, shut the hell up, guys. 
I know I know Kojima's been wacky. I know it, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with wacky. Brie photosynthesis, guys. How about this? How about a guy that's older than dirt talking about <laughs> language for hours? And handbreaker. <laughs> the, la- the language. They're attacking. The terrorists are attacking the language. A uh, very language you speak. What is this game? It was a disaster. I don't know if I liked anything about that game, including the open world gameplay. There was something lost in all that, in, in, in the translation of going open world. I'm sorry. I'm, maybe you can call me a purist. Maybe you call me old-fashioned. I, I think that that game really went too far into the open world direction. I know that's going to be subjective. People are going to vehemently disagree, maybe even my co-host. But no. I thought that was a mistake. It was good. It felt good. Don't get me wrong. It felt good. But yeah. it just didn't feel right. It did not feel like Metal Gear Solid anymore. It felt like a weird, slow, use your binoculars, tag a bunch of guys. It started feeling like a Far Cry. And I don't mean that in a bad way of Far Cry. I know it's popular to dunk on Far Cry. It just started feeling like that, but with stealth. And I'm like, this isn't it. This is not what I wanted Metal Gear to ever be. I was really going back, back and forth between this and MGS4, but I at least appreciate that MGS4 stuck to what felt familiar. And it just bungled the story in a really awful way. This game went so far out, out into left field in the worst ways possible that it's almost irredeemable to me. Um, I think this game is a mess. I think it was a slap in the face to a lot of fans, or at least it should have been. And it I was, think yeah. that this was, the, this was the moment where I was off the Kojima train. I'm like, nah, I can't, I can't do it with you anymore. You ruined MGS4. You ruined MGS5 and it's unfinished. And now you're going out and you're making a walking sim. Okay, cool. I'm cool on you, man. Good luck. You know, and and man, this game still stings me to this day. Because every time I look at it on my PlayStation, I'm like, man, what could have been? If you had just got your head out of your anus and made, just just yeah, make a good Metal anus. Gear, man. That's all you got to do. The way that game opens is is all promise, right? The the coming out of the hospital, oh, seeing all that. That's a great sequence. That's great. It's it's a, That's it's a, a classic great sequence. Yeah. Then the game opens up and then it's in the open world. I I don't think that the open world is completely like unredeemable. I just think because there are moments in that in that open world that I have like recorded on my Xbox where I shoot down a helicopter, I'm running away, the helicopter crushes behind me, and I jump out of the way. Like that that's all like no, that's all stuff that happened organically, not a, a set piece. However, the moments in which you were relegated to a smaller confined space, you you go back to the FOB and there's a mission you have to go into this quarantine area because you have to find someone there and it's dark and it's 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 very metal gear solid it's a closed confined space and you're kind of going through it oh I, okay when, yeah when i hit that spot i'm like oh shit this is metal gear we got it yeah we're back this is metal gear and i'm like okay cool we're going to have moments spread out all over the game that's going to be like, nope, that's the only time that that really actually happens. Everything else is related to that open world. There are some times that you sneak into facilities, but not really. Um, I love the gameplay. I love the open world aspects. I think if they could have married that, kind of like in Elden Ring where they had this open world, but they had those moments where you go into those bases and stuff like that, and it feels like that would have been a great marriage. The running joke is, when an NBA 2K game directed by Spike Lee Yo. got more cutscenes <laughs> than a Metal Gear Solid game, you know you done fucked up. 
<laughs> oh my god, I forgot that because that came out the same year as the 2K with that yeah. a Spike Lee story. Dog, this yeah, there were full cinematics that were in that game. That oh yeah, coach- and they were going for like the emotional gut punch in the oh, NBA. Yeah. They had more emotionality in a 2K game that they did in like. And then the structure of Metal uh, of Metal Gear Solid uh, Five was weird. You go to chapter twenty five, and then it's to be continued, and then you jump to chapters oh, whatever, God, and then you have yeah. to go back to chapter thirty to. Fi- and it's like, why? What? How? Like, why is it? You can tell that you were just filling the the missing uh, pieces in, in, in each of those things. And not only is the opening of 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 that game super promising but i think ground zeros was like a really dope i enjoyed okay. ground zeros i thought yeah it was all this right. is gonna be dope because this, if this is that opens as, as open as this gets perfect it's big it's open but it also has its confined areas you're sinking into the facility nope that 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 was just a little piece of the game um that really amounted to oh, nothing man. because it, skull the face. rest of the game is so much bigger so much oh my god skull face was yeah, i agree with you man oh you get most of the narrative through cassette tapes oh you got a sony walkman branded yeah. Uh, you know, thing in the game. That's great. I would like my story actually in cutscenes, though, Kojima. Thank you. What, what happened? Yeah. Like, it, it, I, I can go on and on, but man, that game was just... Promises, promises. Skullface was an interesting <sighs> character, but nothing about him. I just, uh, There's not much of... <laughs> so The man that sold the world. The man that, so- the man that sold that franchise up the rip. Man... Dog. Did that did that twist get you at the end? Because I saw it from it like nine hundred miles away. I was I was furious. I was furious. I'm like, excuse me. Yeah. You mean this whole the time? The whole time I'm like, I'm playing. They as better some, not do this. I'm playing as an yeah. EMT man. <laughs> <laughs> Paramedics. Who then? Who then becomes like also the the big uh, big boss? But it's a different big boss. He's the big boss of the. He's the bad guy. Yeah, it, it becomes. Yeah. This is supposed Retconning to make and a bunch like, of, yeah. Stop. Yeah, this Stop. is supposed to close that circle, and it just creates more questions. Ugh. It's God, man. it's so sad. It's 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 it is a huge letdown for me. Um, but yeah. man, that was a hell of a time getting that all off our chest. Man, that was a lot of years worth of pent up frustration that I let out of my spirit. I feel a little bit better. <laughs> I feel a little bit better. But um, hopefully, this show wasn't a letdown for you, listeners. I know it was a bit of a long one, but you know we're back to the Monday thing only, so you know we'll try to we'll try to get it right. But uh, you know. Uh, this is a fun episode, nevertheless. So thank you for sticking around to the very end. That is going to wrap it up, though, for this week's show. So until next time, be sure to give our podcast a sub if you enjoyed this. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Podcast or Twitter at CooldownTimePods. That will always be in your FOV. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Make me feel good.